You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> this is the Next Level Podcast, a place for business leaders, entrepreneurs, and dreamers to be empowered for an abundant kingdom life. Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. Welcome to the Next Level Podcast. This is Michael McIntyre, your most humble host. And we are so glad that you have joined us today. Hey, today's a big day. It's election day. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. Anyways, uh, for those in the United States of America, yes. get out and vote. Social distance, wear your mask, and uh, vote early and vote often. No, just kidding. Anyways, uh, we're just glad that you're joining us today. Listen, we got a, we've got a, a unicorn on here today. <laughs> you ever been called a unicorn, Chris? <laughs> I, I have not. I've been called a lot of things, but never that. Well, that's what you are, brother. Well, listen, uh, I'm excited to have Chris Turner on here. Chris Turner, his journey to his artistic career, which he's an amazing artist, has followed a distinctive nonlinear path. In grade school in Houston, Texas, he loved to draw, and his drawings were often displayed throughout the whole school. In sixth grade, he was encouraged to enter a citywide art competition sponsored by the Houston Museum of Fine Arts. It's a big deal. He was one of 30 students selected to participate in a year-long studio program uh, housed in the Museum of Fine Arts. At the end of the program, the museum hosted an open house displaying all the students' work in the main gallery of the museum, which is really cool. And so from there, your your career, Chris, has really been interesting because uh, you had a lifelong study of art. You love art. Uh, you went on and got a degree in architecture, which is amazing. Uh, and you had a very successful 10-year career in architecture. You started out with the world-famous Skidmore Owings and Merrill, a world-renowned firm with a strong reputation for design excellence and technology innovation. And during your architectural career, uh, you were a lead designer responsible for managing and coordinating and planning and designing process for over 5 million square feet of commercial space. Ended up in real estate developer with uh, Gerald Hines and Trammell Crow, which are billionaires, big time real estate people. So, so Chris, welcome to the Next Level Podcast because brother, you are next level. Man, your career is fabulous. Well, it's certainly been unusual. I know after after uh, winning that scholarship to the museum, I had I had no encouragement from my parents because they were, you know, the Great Depression and World War II generation. And my dad was, Art, are you kidding me? No, you're going to go to school, get, make good grades, go to college, get out and make money. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I yeah. never dreamed. He didn't, even, he didn't even want me to be an architect. Uh, he worked for Dow Chemical most of his career, and he said, I've got architects working for me doing piping drawings for chemical plants, so you don't want to do that. Wow. And so I, uh, I gave up on that for a while, but eventually in college, I, w I enrolled in the school of business and just hated it and transferred to architecture and got my degree, and the rest, as they say, is history. Well, I think I find it really interesting because, you know, uh, you know, architecture is, is a, of course, it's an art. It, it's a definite art. I mean, you look at some of the, the most famous architectures in the world, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright, these people are, you know, renowned in their artistry and looking at the world through a different lens. And, and that's what I think I fascinate by architects like yourself, how you look through the world with a different uh, paradigm, if you will. But you also combine technology into your architecture, yes? Uh, yeah, it's, it's good more. They're very innovative in, uh, in their approach to, you not only had to design an excellent building, you had to build it. And it had to, it had to function and function well without problems. And so uh, it was a wonderful firm to be a part of. Um, we actually had the architects broken down into two different areas. You had the design architects, and then you had the project architects who were the technical guys. And um, I was blessed. I was one of the design architects. 
And so we got to have more fun, I think. Um, and I, I love being there. I love, I love working there. You got to work on a caliber of project that you don't get to in a, in a lot of firms. And so it was, it was an amazing time to be an architect. I bet and it I was. And so, so, you know, and I, and I want to go on to your, your, your whole career. I know you, you did really, really well in the real estate business as well. And your background is so unique and that, you know, uh, coming from, you know, a business architectural background to then this creative artist that you are today and your art is amazing. You know, what was that transition like? Cause I understand you traveled the world over. Yes. Yes. And travels you talk about i was reading some of your uh, information you published you you visited all the museums and the art museums everywhere you traveled well i went on uh i had four or five corporate clients when i was in real estate and so i traveled throughout the u.s and some overseas and uh i loved art and so every time i had a trip planned i'd find out the best galleries to go visit and the museums to go visit, uh, go to auctions, art auctions, uh, because I was an art collector. I started collecting art when I was in college. And so I, uh, I used my real estate career actually to fund my art collection and to fund <laughs> my travel. And uh, it was great. I loved doing it. But at the end of the day, I needed to make money. And um, you know, there's a time maybe 25 years ago where I thought, golly, maybe I should have been an artist all along. But I was married at the time. We were living in a real nice house in Plano, driving two nice luxury cars. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to quit doing this and start painting with no income? And it, I just couldn't figure out how to – it sounded crazy to me. So I never pursued it. And then years later, maybe five or six years ago, I was I was still in real estate. I was I'd reached a point where I had a bunch of big deals working. I'd been through a really tough period. I'd gotten divorced, and that whole process almost bankrupted me. And so I needed to refill the coffers. And I had gotten some prophetic words spoken over me that God was going to restore everything that the enemy had killed, stolen, and destroyed. And I had formed three partnerships with friends, and we had five or six big projects in the works, any one of which would have made me whole again. And so I'm thinking this is how God is going to fulfill this word through one of these projects or all of them. Because uh, a couple of them were what we would call no-brainers. We had <laughs> the companies involved had come out in uh, a public press conference and said, "We're going to do this deal. We're going to do it with these guys." And um, I'm thinking this is all going to, you know, I'm going to be returned to my former glory in real estate. And I was praying one morning, and out of the blue, I just have this compulsion to ask Jesus, what can I give you as a gift? I want to give you a gift like friend of friend, not like you're my Lord. I've already given you my heart and my life. What can I give you as a friend, a present? And immediately I heard this voice say, I want you to paint for me. Mm. And I knew about painting houses or painting cars. And I knew it wasn't me because I would not have said that. <laughs> I would have said, you know, that asked me to bless those deals you're working on or something like that. And um, so anyway, I did start painting. I started painting at night and on weekends because I had painted a little bit through the years. I uh, maybe 25 years ago, I had uh, actually taken an oil painting class at SMU. I signed up for it because... You know, I'd, I'd walk into galleries and museums and I'd look at art and I'd think, I could paint that. Wow. I'm, I'm sure I could paint that. 
Now, now so that's I, something that, just just so our listeners know, that thought has never crossed my mind when I looked at art. <laughs> well, <laughs> but that's what I love that that you saw that, and I don't, you know, d- did you feel you felt it in the spirit or in the natural or both? Well, at the time, I didn't, I didn't have any understanding. This is twenty five years ago. I didn't have any understanding of the role of the spirit. Okay. In a personal way, I grew up in a church that was, um, they had salvation by grace down pat, and they really loved the word, but there was no fivefold ministry. There was no gifts of the spirit that were, fun- no signs and wonders gifts. Gotcha. And so I didn't really have any kind of frame of reference for that. But when I, um, I took that class at SMU because I finally I mean, friends would say, you know, dude, if you really think you can paint like that, you need to put up or shut up. (laughs) I signed up up for this oil painting class, and it was the most humbling experience of my life. Wow. I walked away with, uh, I had two takeaways from it. Number one, I cannot paint like that (laughs) right now. But the second takeaway was, I can paint like that someday. Come on, man. I, just, I love I just, that. I need to work at it. But about the same time, my real estate career just starts taking off like a rocket, start making money, and you can imagine the rest of the story. Absolutely. So I so this is fascinating. So this you're at this crossroads, so to speak, and you get you get this, you, you really want to start painting and, and you feel that you you're a painter. And you take this class, you get humbled a little bit, which is fine. You know, I mean, you know, Jesus said, he, he who is humbled shall be exalted. Yes. And so, yeah. and so, but on the same token, you know, man, all of a sudden, you know, it's raining money because you're in the real estate business is booming, you know, so you got, so you, did you feel at that time, did you feel uh, I, I conflicted at that moment or was it like, no way, you know, geez, here comes money. I'm going to go, you know, make it, make it, you know, the sun shining. So I'm going to make it rain and, and have some hay. Well, I did feel a little conflicted, although in spite of my experience at SMU, I did keep painting for a few years on weekends and my art teacher at SMU, she and, a, and some other professional painters would go out and paint on weekends, plein air. Uh, outdoors and they invited me to go with them so I'd go out and paint on Saturdays and Sundays with seven or eight artists and I love the I love that but I also love making money in real estate so you know (laughs) I get it brother I get it listen the man's got to eat and drive a car yeah yeah so, uh, so, all right, because, so, you know, there is this old saying, you know, starting artist, you know, which, you know, th- there's a reason why it's a saying, right? Because yeah. you got to make, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough racket, if you will, or it's a tough art form. I mean, you know, you know, my, our, my daughter loved ballet. She took 18 years of ballet and she wanted to be a ballerina, but there's, you know, truly, but she's also an entrepreneur and there's, you know, unless she goes into teaching ballet and opening up a class, there's not a lot of money. And even then it's difficult. So I get it. I know there's in the artistry world, there's always a conflict. Yes, Chris, and, and, and loving what you're going to do, but also you need to put a roof over your head. Oh, absolutely. So at, at what point in your career, because you're, you know, I, I, I think your art is fascinating and I know uh, our listeners are going to want to see how they can obtain some of your art because it's so unique. It's so brilliant. And because uh, you've got a life of experience in this, but at what point did you say, okay, listen, I've made some good money here. I've done well. Uh, I want, now I'm ready to follow my dream because, you know, following your dreams a big deal and you got to step into that proverbial gap that we talk about, right? You got to step out of that comfort zone into that gap. How did that go for you, Chris? What was the process leading up to that? And what was the process of being in that? And, or are you still in that gap? So, um, it was, well, I'm st- everything is still in process, but how I got from still being in real estate to being a full-time artist Jesus made it really easy. So, you know, he 
he tells me he wants me to paint for him. So I start painting on nights, the nights and on weekends. And, but I've still got all these projects working. So I keep working on those, but within six months after him asking me to paint for him, every one of those projects was as dead as a hammer. Wow. I mean, wow. every one of them. So I was like, wow, okay. Didn't see that coming. So, okay, what do I do now, Jesus? And he said, just keep painting. And so I kept painting. Now, the first year or two, I mean, I wasn't making any money at all in art. And I went back to architecture. I actually had, had people start calling me up wanting to know if I could help them design a new home or do a remodel for their existing home or design a lake house for them or a retirement home for them. And I started doing that part-time because I needed money. Amen. I needed to have income. You know, they don't give away art supplies. So, <laughs> I, uh, but I kept painting in between. And um, that lasted maybe a year and a half. And then I felt like the Lord was just telling me, you know, it's time to put your hand to the plow and don't mm. look back. Wow. And, you know, I, I haven't practiced real estate in 10 years. And or I haven't used my real estate license in 10 years. And I, I've kept renewing it every two years. And I would ask the Lord, do you want me to renew this? And he'd go, yeah, sure. I mean, it's really your call, but yeah, why don't you renew it until this year? It's, it's up in December and he's like, time to let it go, bro. Come on, man. Wow. So, How do you feel about that, Chris? I feel great. Come on. I knew, I knew it was time because I had yeah. a friend of mine in Oklahoma city, um, reached out to me about six or seven months ago, wanted to get me involved in a project up there that some big oil and gas guy wanted to, some real estate project, some, some guy was going to fund. And uh, my friend wanted to get me involved in it. And he sent me all the particulars on it. And I couldn't even drum up the interest to open up the documents and read them. I just thought, I can't do it anymore. I mean, yeah. I just have no interest in that. I mean, God has clearly called me to this. And I think I would be unfaithful to him to pursue something else. It really love, became quite simple. Yeah, I love your conviction on this. And I think I love the way you listen to Jesus on this also on your career. All right, so so you're painting and you are so generous and you sent Stacy and I one of your paintings and it was beautiful and uh so surprised because <laughs> it's beautiful it's it's a big deal and so where, where do you get your inspiration when you paint I mean when you come up with your 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 artist inspiration what what inspires you how does it come to you uh because I know you're Holy Spirit filled I know you're all in uh on Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father where where do you pray about what you're doing do you listen to worship music because your stuff is so unique and it's so to me it's just Holy Spirit so and I'll, I'll shut up and let you finish but I'm just trying to figure this thing out so help me out Chris well uh, if you get it figured out let me know because I'm still trying to figure it out too <laughs> So I did have, I've had people speak words over me that my art is, is prophetic and that it carries the anointing of the kingdom of heaven with all that entails, which is healing, deliverance, um, just the presence of the Lord, the mm. presence of his spirit is going to be, it's contained within that painting. And That's when awesome. people stand in front of it, they can feel it. Now that doesn't happen all the time, but I have had people, uh, I sent uh, a friend of mine, a young, young lady, uh, a couple of photographs of two of my paintings uh, last year. And she shared them with two friends of hers. And one of her friends, she shared it with, as soon as she saw a picture of one of the paintings on her phone, she got drunk in the spirit and mm -hmm. fell off of her sofa 
Come on. <laughs> and the other wow. friend, the other friend who saw the other painting, um, got blown up by the Holy Spirit, ended up on the floor in their living room in a fetal position, just getting blasted by the Holy Spirit. Um, now, I haven't seen that happen uh, myself with people. I've had a lot of people come out to the lake and, and look at my art. But I have had, I've had a lot of people who tell me what the art is saying to them. And usually it's doesn't have a thing to do with what I was thinking when I painted it. <laughs> so it almost doesn't make any difference. As long as I'm painting, as long as I'm painting unto Jesus, it really doesn't make any difference what I'm painting. He's going to That's take true. that and use it. That's true. That's so good. So, so Chris, where, you know, how many out, tell me, tell me a, 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 a typical week in the life of an artist like yourself, Chris, because I know, you know, we have a lot of worship people that listen to this podcast. We have people all over the, uh, we have 76 countries that listen to this and we have a lot of artists and I know there's some, uh, there's a lot of artists in, in, in our community and, and uh, you know, I know Jamie Lynn, she's an artist and I know some other folks that, that are there that love the art and there's, there's the musical and stuff, but what is a typical life like for you because i i find you fascinating because of your number one you're successful in real estate you're successful in architecture uh you're educated in all this you know you've lived some life uh and now you're at this point in your life to where you're really laying it all down and giving it to jesus in your art form so what does a typical week look like for chris turner so i'll break it down into my typical day um i get up early in the morning and I do my devotional, I spend time in prayer, and um, I have a very in-depth prayer life with the Lord, and I usually start by asking him one of three or four questions. After I'm through doing my worship music, I'll ask Jesus, what's on your heart today? Or I'll ask him, where do you want me to meet you today? I'll meet you in the spirit anywhere you want me to meet you. And um, I've had some amazing journeys with him as a result of that. And that probably takes the first two hours of my day. And then it's time to get to work. <laughs> and I'm either, I either have paintings in process or I have ideas about paintings to work on. Uh, my problem is not uh, a lack of creative ideas. I've got a million ideas flying around inside my head because I've been thinking about art since I was a kid. And so I've just got all these ideas. So which one? I'm no longer 25 years old. I don't have another 50 years to do this. So, you know, I'm a little more cognizant of time than I was when I was younger. And so which one of these ideas do I take and pull down and work on. And so, and sometimes I pick a good idea and sometimes I don't, but generally Jesus can take almost anything and work with it. And so I've been blessed that most of the stuff I work on, he gives me the two thumbs up for it. It's awesome. And how, how many hours a day do you sit in front of the canvas? Uh, I probably, I'm probably painting about five hours a day. That's so cool. That's so cool. So is when you're painting, when you're in the process, because I've read some of the things about you, when you're in the process, uh, what happens to you in the spirit? Is it just, do, I, do you lose track of time? or Because I remember when, when I sat down to write my book, uh, you know, I would sit down and start writing. And next thing I know, eight hours had went by. And I didn't know, you know, uh, you know, and Stacy kept calling me <laughs> to eat. I didn't have any idea. So is that the way it is for you in those five hours? Yeah, sometimes it is. Um, although generally I have interruptions. I'll get phone calls or mm -hmm. I need to stop and take a picture of a painting so I can post it on Instagram or post it on my website. And so um, it just depends on where I am in, in my uh, in my process because I've got two art galleries that represent me, one in Dallas and one in Houston. 
And I've also uh, recently joined Sachi Art, which is the largest online art gallery in the world. And uh, don't have much of a presence there yet, but I'm going to be building on that. And so um, I've got galleries that I need to feed. Amen, brother. I get it. I get it. All right. So, uh, so in this process, like in, and you've studied art, you've been all over the world. I'm sure you've been to Paris. I'm sure you've been to Italy and, and seen these amazing museums, which I've seen too. And I don't have nearly the same appreciation of view as you do, but you know, I was, we were in, um, uh, Tuscany went to the Fuzi and 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 mm -hmm. seen the you know the masters so do you have like you know Michelangelo or uh, 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 Leonardo do you have any of the masters that you really just love to look at and stand in front of or is there do you enjoy more contemporary well today I enjoy more contemporary I when I was growing up I liked traditional art what they call representational art because when you look at a painting that's representational in style if you're looking at a landscape okay those are mountains i know they're mountains and you know it doesn't take a lot to figure it out um and that's what i collected for many years and i collected art based on my travels and based on the the people i met and the cultures that i experienced and just uh, i don't know what what it spoke into my soul I responded to that, but after, after my divorce and kind of my long, dark night of the soul, I'll call it, because I did go through a really rough period, and uh, I think I referred to that during the, the 300 session mm. where, you know, I thought about killing myself. Mm. I didn't want to live any longer if my life was going to be like that because I thought it was such a failure at that point. Um, so anyway, I... Um, Thank God you didn't. That, that led me to fall in love with abstract art. Okay. And wow. I can't really under, I can't understand that. But I really felt like I was being called to that. And so when I, when I started painting, after Jesus told me he wanted me to paint for him, for that whole first year, I painted landscapes. I probably did 50 or 60 landscapes, but I was, I was honing my craft. I was learning how to paint really for like the first time I felt. Mm. And, but at the end of that year, I quit painting landscapes and mm -hmm. I started painting abstracts and I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I didn't really care. That's what I get it. And that, that is so important. I want, and what you just said was platinum. And I want our listeners just, to, I want to highlight that because what you said is, you know, you went from, you know, landscape painting, you did it for a year and then the abstract made, you didn't know what you were doing. And I love that Chris, because that takes, that takes, you know, guts to do to step out of that comfort zone and try something completely different, right? And that's what you did. And I just, I admire that. And for our listeners out there, this applies for business and relationships, obviously, uh, in career paths, you know, step out, you know, maybe you don't know what you're doing, but you don't have to know what you're doing. Just trust the Lord knows what he's doing. And, you know, step out of the boat, right? And hopefully, you know, you're going to be able to walk on that water if you focus on Jesus. So, so what happened, Chris? You stepped out of the boat. You're going into abstract art. You know nothing about abstract art. What happened? Yeah, so one of the first things I did was I put all my brothers up. I wanted to get set free of the tyranny of the brush. That's what I call it, the tyranny of the brush, because the brush focuses, focuses you to paint in detail which you need for landscape painting or portraiture or any other kind of traditional art. You need to control the brush, but the brush also is controlling you. Mm. And so I wanted to get set free of that. And so uh, I had a couple of pads of watercolor paper and those pads have really hard cardboard backings to them. So I ripped those cardboard backings off and I cut them up into pieces of different widths and lengths. And I started painting with those. Those became my palette knives, as it were. And I just used those. And it, I mean, it set me free, brother. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I love it. So I, I kept painting with 
with the cardboard and I started introducing other tools that I picked up. I've, I use credit cards to move paint around. I use the cardboard. I've gone back to using brushes, but I use big brushes now. Mm -hmm. um, I use, you know, painter's tape that I'll put, put on a canvas and paint around it and then rip it off. I just, I use, you know, the kind of big, um, uh, spackling things you use for putting it when you're hanging jip board. Uh, I use those to push paint around. I use, I'm, I'm getting ready to start some big paintings. I'm probably going to buy some brooms. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to be painting on the floor. Come on. I don't have a wall to put this canvas on. So I'm going to, once again, don't know what I'm doing, but I love to experiment. <laughs> Well, like, like, okay, so we're we're doing a Zoom interview, and I can see your background, and I see that your background is is some of your art, yes, yes, and so that's a big that's a big piece behind you. Well, it's actually two pieces. Uh, I painted the first one and liked it, so I actually painted over an older painting that I liked well enough a couple of years ago, but decided I can do better than that, so I painted. <laughs> painted this one up here first and decided I wanted to do a diptych and so I painted this one next and so I didn't up. realize they were two I didn't realize they were two now I see now I see it yeah yeah it's, it's that's awesome that. yeah yeah but I just finished those last week that's awesome all right so uh so, all right, let me, I'm going to ask you maybe a, a uh, out of the box question, Chris, because you know I know you and uh, a little bit. And uh, so, what determines your pricing on this art? How do you come up with that? Do you pray on that, or is it just your time, your supplies? How does an artist do the ROI on their work? So, I've been real blessed that both the galleries, especially my initial gallery in Dallas. Um, Unfortunately, that gallery closed last month, partially due to COVID. Mm -hmm. But I think the owner also just, she's been doing it for 30 years. And she just didn't have the bandwidth to keep doing that. She also had a really successful framing gallery. So she decided, I've got to put all my eggs in one basket. I can't keep doing both. So... And I understand that, and she's a dear friend. I love her to death. But she was she'd been doing the gallery business for thirty years, so she helped establish, help figure out how to price my art, and love to sell it out. And um, so that helped a lot. I bet it did. And I used the same pricing use the same pricing structure there and in Houston. And on Satchi Art, so my prices are consistent because you can't you can't send out mixed messages to right. the art world. You know, I've had friends come to the lake and look at some of my art. I love that painting. So how much is it? And tell them, well, this is, this is what it is. And they'll go, don't give me the gallery price. I said, well, I kind of have. <laughs> I can't undercut my gallery. I love it. Don't give me the gallery price. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that just sounds it. I, I I totally get it, and I just I just I think, and I love that your integrity is is and your loyalty with the gallery. I think that's really important. I have to honor those agreements I have in place. Amen, brother. Amen. All right, so, uh, so with with that. You know how many you know pieces of art? Do you have like a goal? And and I'm I'm you know I don't know anything about this, so I'm I'm maybe some of our listeners are curious too. Do you have a goal to say, okay, I'm going to produce you know ten pieces this month or five pieces this week? Or does the gallery say, hey, I need eighteen more pieces? How how do you determine your workload? And you know, of course, I watch you know you watch movies and Hollywood depicts you know the the artist that's you know. Uh, constantly in turmoil and upset at the world and, and, you know, doesn't want to be bothered by anybody until they come out of the dark room after six months with the masterpiece. So how, 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 do, how do you do this in a reality and, and, you know, like in a J-O-B situation? I, uh, my goal annually is to produce about five paintings a month. 
So that would be 60 paintings a year. Right. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting there. Um, so that's kind of my goal. Each one of my that's galleries good. at any one time probably has 15 or 20 pieces of my work. And so sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. Uh, depends on the gallery sure. and how they like to run it. Um, my gallery in Houston runs a little bit leaner. But I just joined an, a new gallery in Dallas. Uh, I mean, the day after I got the bad news from my friend Mary that she was going to close her gallery, I got a call from another gallery owner. And within two weeks, I'd made the change. So Thank you, that Chief. was the Lord looking out for me there. He opens doors. Hey, oh, absolutely. Well, I love the, well, you, you're, you're obedient to him and you've been obedient, Chris. And I love that. All right. So, so tell us right now, if you can, uh, I think you can tell us how, how our listeners go to look at your art online or how they can buy your art. How do they get in touch with Chris Turner, the artist architect extraordinaire? So I've got a, I've got a website www.christurnerartist.com although that website is not really completely up to date because I've, a couple of weeks ago hired a firm in Austin to do a new website with me one that has e-commerce capabilities nice and so I'm going to be making that transition over the next month okay so my website might not be the best place to go but I'm on Instagram so if you look at look me up on Instagram, it's Chris Turner Artist, and they can find my work there. Okay. So those are two of the best places. All right, awesome. And I'll put those in the show notes too. And if if somebody wants to, uh, can they on their website? Do you have your email address? So they can email it to you. Or yes. okay, yeah. cool. And so uh, I imagine you ship your artwork all around the world. I haven't had to ship it anywhere overseas yet, but I have, I do ship it around the U.S. Okay. And, um, so if somebody's out in New York or somebody, or if we have somebody in the U.K. and they want to buy a piece of your work, you can get it to them. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Because we've got a lot of people out there and it's amazing how many listeners we have in the United Kingdom, but it's cool. We have some, we have quite a few out in Australia too. So that might be, <laughs> you might have to add it five dollars or something the shipping charge going to australia but it'd be worth it so uh so chris i want you to speak right now because you know uh you know you're, you're over 35 you filed a tax return uh or two and so i want you to uh, speak to our millennials and the gensers out there who want who are artists or or, or want to be artists or are in the process of their artist work, or maybe they've been in the world and they're struggling a little bit, trying to get their foundation or get their, you know, uh, go, you know, get their landscape or get their technique or their abstract or whatever it is that they're looking for. Could, could you offer them a, a bit of advice or a mentorship on how to struggle through the dark times, how to struggle through the lonely times and the, you know, maybe questioning yourself times. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my first piece of advice would be basically the same thing Jesus said to me years ago. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all this is going to be added to you. And the all this is how am I going to live? How am I going to survive? You know, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? <laughs> all the yeah. stuff you need yeah. to live life in this country. And... I'll tell you, e even when I was bankrupt, not that I declared bankruptcy because I didn't have the money to bankrupt, <laughs> but he still faithfully provided everything I needed. And I I've seen miracles in my life that are amazing. And so that's number one. You got to get grounded in your relationship with Christ. Without that, it really doesn't make any difference what you do. You'll end up in a dead end. And so I would do that. And then in your prayer life, I would change your ask. So instead of asking for Jesus to get you out of this circumstance or get you into someplace different, start asking him what's on his heart. He gave you the gift of being an artist. 
or being a musician or being whatever he's called you to. Yeah. When we're first introduced to God in Genesis, it says creator God. And so his first words to us about who he is and his character and his nature are the creation and all he's done. And we are made in his image. So we're all designed to be creators of one kind or another. We're not all meant to be painters or sculptors or musicians or people who are artists in the world of business in terms of creating new ways of handling money, new ways of using money, new ways of doing architecture, new ways of doing medicine, technology. I mean, it's unbelievable the creativity that's out there. And God wants to unloose all that. So good. But he can't do it without you like surrendering your heart to it. And I think in that surrender, and I think that's so profound, Chris, because there is uh, in that surrender, taking it to Jesus and laying it at his feet is kind of, it's, it's a humbling thing. I mean, I know you were humbled big time, you know, because you were at the height of your career and architect, real estate magnet, all this sort of thing. And you had to really humble yourself before him because this is what his desire for you was. And you wanted and that burned a desire for you. So with with that, uh, you know, I'm sure at times some of your friends maybe or your business associates were questioning your mental status, so to speak, <laughs> right? Uh, and because it was kind of radical, man. And and so how do you, what do you tell these genders or millennials when people are saying, hey, man, you know, because, you know, you know, we're in the charismania world, right? We're in, you know, I, I go to a charismatic church and which I love and I love the freedom. I love the artistic. I love the, you know, the gifts of the spirit being, being uh, exalted. I just think it's amazing. And a lot of times I'll see the people up there with their painting and during worship, they start painting. And I, I, I take it that that's an inspired, they get inspired from the Holy spirit and they paint whatever is on their mind, which is really cool. Or you get the flag people running around the place and the artistic forms of the flags or the dance. The flag guys make me nervous. I'm afraid somebody's going to poke somebody's eye out. But <laughs> but uh, I just find it all interesting and honoring how the charismatic world uh, honors the artistic formation. You know, uh, probably, and I'm just saying this, you know, maybe more so than any other, uh, any other religion or, you know, church uh, sect that does is, is the charismatic faith. So, and, but there's always pushback. Yeah. And so how do you deal with that pushback or that blowback saying, man, are you crazy, Chris? You're walking away from this huge, you know, this, you know, deep six figure income and you're giving this up to be an artist. Are you crazy? And you say, I say that you've got to learn to ignore those voices and it, it's a journey. It's a process because some of those people are dear, dear friends of yours. I've had a lot of friends say all those same things to me. What are you nuts? <laughs> you know, how are you going to live? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? You know, we're getting ready to go on a cruise and we want you to come with us. Well, I can't do that because I need to spend my money on art supplies and they don't get it. And that's okay. I mean, you, you have to get to the point where you fix your face like Flint. If you really think that Jesus has called you to be an artist, then you need to pursue that. He doesn't call you to something without giving you the grace to succeed at it. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're going to be an overnight success. You got to put the time in. You know, hey, I'm five years into this five, six years into this now, and I'm just now starting to really feel like I'm getting it. (laughs) You know what? That's okay. Yeah. Well, I just, I, you're, I, I get, I'm just getting fired up listening to this, Chris. I hope our listeners are too, because it's really profound what you're saying. I mean, you know, um, and so, all right. So, my neck and God laid this on me. I just wanted to ask you this and maybe God's wanting to know too. I mean, I'm sure he already knows, but maybe he wants everybody to know. Are you going to ever be teaching art? I I hadn't really even thought about that. Well, maybe you might. 
<laughs> I'll tell you this. So um, recently, I mean, you know, I've got a prophetic gift. I've, I've had a prophetic gift my whole life. I never recognized it until, you know, seven or eight years ago. But I have a prophetic gift. And I'm beginning to get the inkling that I might have the office of prophet. And part of that, part of what accompanies that anointing is, is teaching. And so I, I need to have that confirmed. I've been asking the Lord for confirmations and I haven't really gotten the confirmations I need, but I'm, you know, I function in the prophetic all the time. Right. Uh, so, but I do have another word for these millennials out there. And this is a verse that um, the Lord has highlighted for me during this season. And Jeremiah 6, 16. And you mentioned this word earlier in our, in our talk about crossroads, being at a crossroads. So in Jeremiah 16, 6, 16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. And so I believe our culture today, especially in the U.S., but indeed the whole world, we're at a crossroads. This election is a crossroads, it, but it's not just a crossroads for our country. It's a crossroads for the church Amen. and every member of the body of Christ. We're at a crossroads. Are you going to walk the straight road without turning to the right or to the left? All these voices are trying to get you to turn to the right or to the left. You need to keep walking straight. Amen. It's good Don't work. give up on that. It's good work, okay. Chris. It's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. So that phrase in Jeremiah 6, 16, you'll find rest for your souls if you do all that. Same thing Christ said in Matthew. He said, come to me, all who are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So if you think you're called to be an artist and you wonder how is this going to work, Man, I would take that. This isn't about laboring. It isn't about being heavy laden. And sometimes you feel like it because it doesn't look like you can get into a gallery. It's hard getting into a gallery if you're doing it in the spirit, in the flesh. Both the galleries, all three of the galleries I'm in, it was divide appointments where the Lord just swung the door so wide open. It was like, are you kidding me? It's like falling off a log. I love it. That's so so you, just, you just need to get this word planted in your soul, in your heart, and just live out of it. Good advice, Chris. So, Chris, I want to uh, repeat it one more time because I, I know that people are going to really want to see your work. So it's uh, repeat your website at www.christurnerartist.com. That's easy. ChrisTurnerArtist.com. Go check it out. And then on Instagram, you're big on Instagram, which yeah, your hand Chris Turner Artist. Chris Turner Artist. Go check Chris out because it's really good. All right. So, uh, yeah. And what I want to do, Chris, is what I ask everybody, because uh, you just shared some amazing scripture with us, is uh, two questions uh, to close out. Uh, what scripture are you leaning on right now? And, uh, are you reading any interesting books? So, and this, I'm really, he's really got me focused on this ancient paths. Walk the ancient paths. Because when I first read that verse, I was like, what the heck is an ancient path? And in fact, I, I immediately asked the Holy Spirit, what is, what is that? What are you talking about? He said, well, the original ancient path was a path that Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God in the evening. That was the original ancient path. And really he's calling, he's calling his people back to him to walk with him daily in that path. 
And then throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, there's every time you see one of the great giants of the faith, they were walking somewhere. They were walking with the Lord. And so that's what, that's what he's got me focused on. I want to walk with him and I don't want to turn to the left or to the right. That's awesome. Any, any interesting books you're reading right now? So not right now. I mean, I'm a big reader. I've always had a huge library, but I'm mainly spending time in the word. It's great. That's a good book. It's a really good book. <laughs> well, Chris uh, Turner, I, I, I'm just so impressed with you. And my wife and I love your art. We thank you for the beautiful piece that you you blessed us with. And uh, we just we just hope and uh, we, we just hope more people get to experience your art. Go to his website, go to his Instagram and check it out. And because uh, you are a prophet, you are a gifted. And I love the fact that you listened to Jesus, you you put it out there, you stepped out of the boat. And like you said, it wasn't easy, but you know, it, this is almost six years in the making and uh, it's happening. Yeah. And you know, yeah. his timing's perfect, right? Our timing's, you know, it's always not always the way we want it, but his timing is perfect. And so uh, I did fascinating Chris, and I know our listeners do as well. So I hope they, enjoy your convo and if they want to get a hold of you and they can get your email off your website, I presume. Yes. Awesome. All right, my man. Well, thanks for this time. And uh, uh, I'll let you get back to your uh, canvas and your creativity and uh, you and Jesus have some fun in front of that art. Thank you, my friend. Enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Love you guys. You got it. Love you too, brother. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey friends, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all other platforms where great podcasts are found. Thank you. Thank you for checking out the Next Level Podcast. For more information or additional resources, please visit themichaelmcintyre.com.